And we are live. <clears throat> okay, bonus mom, Pixel. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and I didn't know, um, TikTok, the, the bonus mom channel on TikTok is only a few weeks old, apparently. Um, I was set up with this by one of the guys in RPD, Roleplaying Degenerates. And when I looked at it, I assumed it was a year or two long. But um, the information I just got was it just started, and you guys have had this meteoric rise. Um, bonus mom, tell us a little bit about you, about your story, Pixel. Uh, I assume you guys come as a pair. Pixel, did you show her about D&D, and how did it work? Yeah, so um, it kind of started, I was... I had just moved to a new town, I didn't know anybody, uh, and I was working in a Red Lobster and trying to get people to play D&D with because I didn't know anybody. And um, I was going to DM a campaign, but being servers in a restaurant, schedules working out was never going to happen, right? Uh, especially if you're trying to pull from the same restaurant. <laughs> um, and so uh, I ran like a, a, a solo game with a buddy of mine and um, kind of was talking to my mom about it and started talking about the things I liked about D&D, namely for me, was like world building, but also kind of the role play and the story aspect. And when I started talking about the role playing, she got really interested and said, oh, hey, let's try this out. And we ended up um, trying it out with the family and then everyone got hooked and we've been playing that campaign for about five years now. And then over the years, we just sort of expanded what uh, what all we do with it. So I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, but fun. Well, I would say that... Um I'm 70 years old, okay, graduated from high school in 1969. I'm definitely a boomer. I love to play games my whole life. When I was a kid, I probably liked Clue and Chinese Checkers and the card game Rook better than any other games. Those are the ones I really remember. I have always loved to play games. So when my guys were little, you know, like six and eight, I have, I have another son, Redbeard the Pink, who is a wizard and is semi-famous on TikTok. We were in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we were Southerners transplanted to the West. We had a few friends, but we didn't really fit the local uh, everything. We, we didn't fit that. Well, my guys and I got kind of interested. My husband's a computer geek from way back, so we had a computer. We, you know, we were fairly early into that, and we got started playing all those games you can play on computers. And I played it right along with them. We Duke Nukem Two. We just had like a little sample package of it, and there were just, you know, just a whole bunch of games like that that we played. Morass World, which goes clear back to the DOS stream. So I have a history of playing games with my kids. So for me to say this is a very interesting game and I know you played it in high school and you had those books, but what's this all about, uh, was not that unusual a leap from what we had done in the past. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting though. I mean, you said you're 70 years old even though you kept up with games. Um, I, I'm a father of two and my wife and like if I'm playing at 70 years old with my family, I'll be the happiest man alive. So, so what is it like? What is it like playing a five-year campaign with your family members, which is all, it's pretty rare, to be honest? It's absolutely amazing. As far as my family is concerned, my husband and I married later in life. We are much older than our kids. I'm old enough to be both of my son's grandparents, and so is my husband. So that means my kids are intergenerational in their family. So they have a, a cousin who uh, plays with us, who lives in the same place that we do, but she's 20 some years older than my kids or about 20 years. So they literally, and she's female. 
They have nothing in common, okay? You know, I mean, they just don't. She's, forgive me, Amy, she's in her 50s, or she is 50. I'm 70. They're in their mid-30s. But, uh, and she was facing an empty nest syndrome whenever this whole thing started. And so I said, let's get Amy involved in this, just because I thought she'd like to have something to do. And then my husband, he likes to play games just like I do. So we pulled Amy into this, and then there was a, a, a nephew-in-law. We pulled him in. And so, yeah, it was this thing where people of different ages could get together and have an activity as a family. The family bond was there, but the game bond really gave us something whenever the family got together for anything to talk about or whatever. Man, we peeled off and talked D&D because we were all in love with it. So it has reached through generations to pull us together and hold us together as a family. That has been grand fun and very heartwarming for me to see that happen. Yeah, and I also think it's been very cool because, like, when you're role-playing at the table, like, of course the, like, social constraints of your family dynamic are there to some extent, but to another extent, some of that falls away, and I'm not sitting here talking to, you know, bonus mom, the the mom, I'm talking to Bethelinda, the halfling fighter, right? And, like, yeah. bo- bonus mom is in there, and, you know, you can't just go nuts, but, like, there's a way that, like, you relate to each other, you know, in the role-play that, like was very interesting and just all the way that that it allows us to sort of play you know as a family relating to each other differently than we would you know just as people even just playing another game like like you mentioned clue or you know skipbo or whatever you know um and that was really really cool to take on these roles and almost like get to know each other in a different kind of a way um was was has been very very fun and interesting for everyone i think yeah, and i want to add something else to that and and bless your heart breck you thought you were going to get to ask the questions you may only get to ask one okay um <laughs> okay. my guys played a little bit in high school and my husband at the time was still pastoring my husband's a retired pastor's wife so add into this whole entire mix i'm a i'm an ex-pastor's wife so anyway uh, and they played with their high school friends and we've gotten close enough to them and they've stayed close enough to where some of those guys have played D&D with my husband and to see that happen that very thing that David's talking about where Pastor Charlie is sitting at the table and you know he's he's hitting on the on the halfling you know fighter in the tavern or whatever you can just see this stuff in their eyes and and they're like <laughs> and yeah. it's just been fabulous it it really has plus we bring that part of our lives to the table too so hopefully you know for us that that's a good thing but anyway that's a fun thing that happens is even with our guys friends and that's actually where the whole bonus mom thing started oh because you were acting like as a mother mother figure on the table uh not so much around the table um I just, I just love some of my guys' friends. There was one in particular, Beast Baker, and he's one of our DMs. He is also the person who did the NPC stat block for Bonus Mom. He's been, you know, he was at my house constantly, so he's like another kid. He's, he's my other son. He was yeah. my first other son. And then Pixel here, uh, Vincent Page, who is another gamer and TikToker, but but mostly Facebook, Twitch, gamer and D&D player, he became my second other son. Uh, 
one of my TikTok videos is this moment when we were just starting Curse of Strahd and I was saying, well, I'm Pixel's mom and I'm Redbeard the Pink's mom. And, I'm, and I said, and if you're in the chat, I love you and I'm everybody's mom. <laughs> so, hey, guys. Okay. So then one of our, our core group of friends, Ham Pam, which another gamer came up with bonus mom. And so that happened, what, uh, a month ago, you know, or something. Something like that, yeah. 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 Very recently, it was. It was. I think the first episode of Curse of Strahd that we did was when that all sort of started. Yeah. So, so was, I was bonus mom before TikTok, and we were kind of talking about that because it was great fun. And then that's when my daughter Erin said, "You should take bonus mom to TikTok." Yeah, that's a good choice. So there's three things I want to get to, and I don't want to forget about them because they all kind of <laughs> popped up. Um, the first thing I want to get to is I've been messing with something for the last few weeks, and I've been mulling it over. And you said your husband is an ex-pastor. <clears throat> I really, really, really want to start running games for religious, you know, uh, people, Christians. I don't know what denomination you are. My wife's Christian. Um, where they could be clerics and and paladins of Jesus Christ or, or something along those lines. How do you feel about that? Do you think it's possible in this realm? I'm going to say it's absolutely possible because Pixel has his own world. He has his own gods that he's come up with, his own mythology. There are DMs who absolutely love to do that. I, I know that DM that, that Dungeons & Dragons can be very successful in lots of um, uh, metropolitan and after-school situations and aftercare. It can be good um, for people to get opportunities to experience the depths of their own personalities or their own questions or lots of different things like that are, are certainly possible in the I'm gonna call it the sandbox of Dungeons and Dragons I think it would be absurd to say that uh, that any particular religion could not be expressed through Dungeons and Dragons if that were the choice of a DM and there were a group of people who wanted to play in that DM's world for sure um so what has this success been like for you? I mean, is this some sort of vindication that um, this this it, this game really is for everybody? I have to say that isn't something I've thought about. In if you're talking about TikTok, yeah, yeah, um, your success that you know, two okay. weeks and you've had yeah. all this success re really early on. Okay, then. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to be selfish enough to say that actually the success that I've enjoyed um, on TikTok has been more of an exciting opportunity for me to get to learn more things about more people and than I would ever have been able to experience in my everyday retired life. I have felt for a very long time like Dungeons and Dragons is for everybody. The experience at my own table have proved that to me. The fact that I have played games online with my 13-year-old grandson and my 76-year-old husband and strangers that I don't to this day know what they look like, but we're friends, that has been what has proved to me that Dungeons and Dragons can be for everybody. And, and Pixel, going to you, I mean, this is obviously uh, your mom, she's one of those 
like an enigmatic people in D and D. I mean, she's seventy years old. Your father's an ex-pastor. They're playing this game that at one time was considered a satanic panic cult ritual in the seventies, eighties, and now we're seeing with with Critical Role and, and Stranger Things and all these new, uh, these more enriched. Um, for lack of a better term, environments for D&D, we're seeing this resurgence in the last five, ten years, and now we're getting um, your family is playing, you know, a five-year campaign right in the height of when it's coming back. So for you, Pixel, like, what is it like to have your family on board with this? And then you're like the DM, the younger generation, showing the older generation, but how does that work in the dynamics of D&D compared to, like, just you and your friends playing in high school? Yeah, so, um... I'll start with the high school bit real quick. So I played a little bit in high school, but I didn't play as much as some of as my older brother and some of his friends. I think one of the things is, as Bonus Mom mentioned, we're a bit of an intergenerational family. So that like Gen Xer generation that really was the first kind of D and D generation, more or less, right? Um, and and since those folks, it's often been passed down like older brother or sister or cousin or uncle or aunt kind of showing the younger generation. We didn't really have that, right? Like we skipped a generation. So I remember just like looking at like the 3.5 player's handbook and reading and like, I understand what these words say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like I didn't get it until um, much, much later. Uh, seeing Critical Role, and, and then it started to kind of, like, click, like, okay, now I understand, like, this is what it says on the page, but then the DM says this, and then I say that, and we kind of go back and forth, you, gotta, you know, you all, you all get it, but, um, so, you know, I played a little bit in high school, but my, my journey with it really actually kind of starts, more or less, when I started DMing that one solo campaign for my friend Beast before I started running the campaign for the family. Uh, in terms of, like, the TikTok thing, um, Honestly, I uh, it's been wild. <laughs> I, I you know I always knew that uh, Bonus Mom had like a, a a outgoing charismatic personality, and she is is very novel in this space, right? It's like not some like you know there's a million people like me with beards and beanies and graphic tees and a tattoo or two who you know are in their 20s to 30s and play Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like that, you could make action figures out of them, girlfriend not included. You know what I mean? Like it's very, like, <laughs> it's very common. But, you know, our dynamic and playing with the family and bonus mom um, and the whole, uh, that part of it was very new. So I knew going into the TikTok thing that that was kind of the hook to some extent, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. uh, but the other thing is it, the hook doesn't work and it doesn't keep the thing running if bonus mom isn't you know the the like generous and loving person that she is and if she you know and and this has been able to touch a tremendous number of people and that's <laughs> been honestly very um heartwarming and just, just incredible to see uh and then also if like our D, D aspect of things isn't you know i mean we stream games we have our discord and you know and those kinds of things i feel like if Bonus Mom didn't really know these terms. She doesn't know what a deck save is, and she's just reading a script that I wrote. That's not, you know, the same, right? Like, we workshop these ideas and come up with the, the bits and the TikToks together. And, um, and we also have this sort of, like, we feel like pretty substantive group of folks that are playing D&D with us, and they seem to be having a really great time. And we're like, there's really something here beyond just this, you know, kind of 
surface level something. But I think on the internet, a lot of times you have that surface level something as like the attention getter. But if you don't have anything to back it up, then it's kind of a flash in the pan. So um, I think what we've been seeing is that like there really is something there because we're getting so many messages from people about just how you know touched they are to see this kind of content coming from bonus mom and all that stuff so uh it's been amazing i you know three weeks ago never would have believed that i'd be adding you know social media manager for a seven-year-old tiktok <laughs> sensation to my resume or whatever um but it's been great fun she and i partner together on these videos um and i do a lot of like the videography and we work together on like how we uh do the videos and things and that's been a lot of fun too just trying to come up with ideas and <laughs> shoot these little videos so no it was interesting uh Chris, well, there's three of us in RPD. There's myself, Twisted Whiskey, and um, Cisco. Cisco's the one you saw painting. And Chris just said, hey, I, you know, I have this interview with um, this woman and her son. They, they play D&D, and she's 70, and it's a family thing. And that's awesome. But when I actually went and saw some of your TikToks, it's, you, it's, there's no, you guys are playing a high-level game, it looks like. I mean, you're looking at character sheets, and the questions you're asking in your skits are like, um, do I get advantage on this or just you know it, it's it sounds like people who actually are very good in a very experienced game it's not a gimmick so I agree you have to have those hooks or those strategies but it sounds like you guys are playing like at a high level I mean a five year campaign most players never get get finish a campaign I, I honestly I've I'm halfway through my very first one I hope to finish next year as a DM but for the most part a five year campaign is like it's a really hard thing to do so I think you're right I think. I think in three weeks from now, you might double, quadruple. There might be a time you guys are so big you're not even talking to me anymore, which is, you know, that'd be great. Um, well, but that's not ever going to happen, okay? <laughs> I appreciate that. But No, I, I'm a, I will tell you, I have been so touched by the way people have reacted to me and have poured their hearts out to me in some instances. Now, I am committed 100%. If this ends tomorrow, I still will be on TikTok. And I'll, there are some people I'm still going to be talking to. And, and you guys are going to be some of them. So I'll, I'll just say that right now. We appreciate that. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I, you know, it's something that we've talked about. I don't think it would be incredibly irresponsible to go on the internet and say, hey, I'm your bonus mom, and not be willing to like connect with people and, and, and meaningfully do that. Now, you can't literally mother every single person on the internet. We wish that she could, you know, she would be a lovely, she's been a lovely mother to me, um, but there are physical limitations <laughs> to like what people can do. But just, you know, we do take that seriously, and she takes that very seriously. We've talked about that, um, and you know, that it's it's definitely not something that you can just like have it be a gimmick, right? Like there has to be, because that would just be irresponsible. There's so many messages we get from people who are, you know, have troubled relationships with their mother or loved their mother or grandmother who has passed and has been touched by the stuff that we've put out that it's like, if, if we were just doing that in some sort of like disingenuous way or something that would be like deeply troubling and bad. And we're like, <laughs> that is absolutely not what we want to be doing. Right. So, sure. yeah. um, you know, and so that's kind of been, a lot to live up to, I think, more for her than me. I'm just sort of like helping manage the technology and, and, and stuff. But uh, that is something that, that she takes, you know, very, very seriously um, in the conversations that we've had and the messages that I've seen come in and everything. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's one of those things in D&D, in &D, but in life in general, that I think people need to see. And you know, I'm glad this is, this is happening. And one of the things I want to ask is, 
like for me and my parents, you know, my, my father, I think he was born in 1955 and he grew up on a ranch with no electricity. So for someone like me, you know, how do I connect with my, maybe I want my parents to play or my aunt and uncles. What would you give the advice to people, the younger generation who kind of maybe think their parents would like this and like, Hey, like, how do you introduce that, that conversation to people who like, I just, I just talk, like I play a character. Is this acting? Like how, how do you engage that conversation? Do you think? Okay, with your dad, who's born in 1955, and I was born in 1951, the thing that I would say to your dad, in Texas, growing up on a ranch, can we just, well, just everybody bear with me now if I say something that, that we used to play pretend, okay? And there were lots of different kinds of pretend. There's the princess in the tower, you know, there's the soldiers in the war there's mm-hmm. cops and robbers there were cowboys and indians mm-hmm. and and this is from my time way back when i'm not trying to bring that into the present it would be very unusual on that ranch if your dad had not played some version of those games he, he played what cowboys and indians he played cowboys and indians okay he well, told me that what, okay so when he played cowboys and indians they were playing let's pretend and to my way of thinking at the core level Dungeons and Dragons is let's pretend. You set up a situation, you know, we're in the forest, we're in the woods, we're in the tavern, somebody rushes in, my daughter's been stolen, we decide for 50 gold pieces to go, blah, 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 blah. The difference between your father's Cowboys and Indians and your D&D is that in D&D, you set the situation up and then you and the DM roll the dice to see how it turns out. We didn't do that in Let's Pretend. Usually, whoever was the most charismatic person in the group got their way, or our parents called us in for dinner. (laughs) One of those two things, and that's pretty much the way it is. So it's Let's Pretend, but you roll the dice to see how it turns out. I think he'll understand that. And if you had anybody that's talking to a parent and that parent ever performed in a high school play or uh, the church Christmas program or has any experience at all with acting or improving. They tell you, Joseph, this happened to me in the fifth grade. They told me I was Joseph in the Christmas story at our school because you did that back then and I was a girl. So I had to become Joseph the guy, okay? Anybody who's had that kind of experience understands a little bit about improvisation. And that's another thing when it comes to role-playing, Dungeons and Dragons is improvisation. Your DM can set up the scenario, but we all know that's not going to last beyond the first time the players get a hold of it because of improv. So let's talk about your guys' game really quick. I mean, it's a five-year game. Um, Is there an end in sight, or is this going to be, you know, one of those forever games? Um, He's looking around. I don't know how to write it. Um, So strong for four years literally we have been on a quest to uh to save our continent for four years and uh, adds to what about like two months in 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 einor time pixel something like that yeah we have a calendar we if we sat down with it we could figure it out but it's been a while since i looked at that and we got to which you have in in campaigns we got to in a way a completed arc we oh, you got did. to a point. Okay. Kind of. We didn't resolve the issue, but we got to a place. You know, you do. There are several along in, you yep. know, in, in TV history, it would be the seasonal cliffhanger, and then you take off for the summer. 
and Pixel was a little tired and we decided to take a break. Plus, we yeah. had one character who wanted to be a different character. She'd had it with her ranger and she had played this ranger for four years and she hadn't done anything <laughs> else. So the rest yeah. of us had played some other things and she's like, I just want to be somebody else. So we saw a chance to leave those characters in that cliffhanger at level nine, right, Pixel? We're about to go to level yeah, nine. Yeah, you guys are level nine. And we decided to all of us go back and make new characters and then let this one character try something she wanted to. And we would play with her up till she got her character up to level nine and then reintroduce him into our original arc because uh. we were going to be losing her character and now introducing this one. She wanted to try Druid and she didn't want to leap into level nine Druid. So yeah. for the last, well, really mostly through COVID, we had been playing this other adventure through a series of one shots. That's when we then, okay, instead of trying to get another campaign, we're going to play level one, level three, level five, yeah. and level Well, And seven. those those weren't really one shots. They were just intended to be shorter campaigns. Yeah. But this last arc that I've had you guys on, um, I, I've kind of got like right up to the end of it and then basically sort of got writer's block, partially because the way we had set it up was that this part of it takes place in like a previous era of the world and then there's some time travel shenanigans that happened that they already knew yeah. happened in their main game right yeah. and yeah. so i'm just sort of like souping it into that uh but then people got so attached to certain things that were in the past they're like i don't even want to go through the time skip anymore yeah. and i'm yeah. like well now what do i do so yeah. um yeah. well we kind of been on hiatus plus i'm now dming two games uh two other campaigns on our Ages of Minor Twitch stream. We do Curse of Strahd one Friday and we do Siege of Castle Rand another Friday and alternate back and forth. So adding in a homebrew game to that would just be kind of bonkers. So I've sort of uh, put that on hiatus and another friend of mine is running a short adventure and then I'm not entirely sure what the future holds for the home game. I'm sure we'll come back and finish it up at some point but um, we've kind of been doing other things for the time being. But but everybody involved in the home game is still involved and is still playing D&D in one shape or another yeah. so we haven't well that yeah we had one person actually move away in the middle and then move back so that's been interesting so we have experienced some of the yeah. and we had a breakup where one girlfriend exited and then girlfriend wife entered you know so we've <laughs> had some of those things happen to us yeah it's, it's one of those games where you need to have a good group and it's kind of sometimes hard to find that yeah. um have you guys ever had character deaths in the campaign <laughs> Uh, sounds yep. like we have. All right. Well, let me hear about I've it. I've killed in campaigns like that. I've killed three characters total. I think it is now. Um, the first character that died was Dad's character. Uh, he got <laughs> he got yeah. mind flared. Uh, they okay. they were in the Underdark on something. They got ambushed by some mind flayers, and the the PCs didn't really clock that it was going to eat his brain and he wasn't going to get any death saves so he got his brain slurped uh and then shortly after that i so the the campaign that they're on basically there's this necromancer he's trying to find these powerful crystals in order to uh try to summon vecna i think it is um or some avatar thereof you know yep. and um classic classic stuff right so oh, their yeah. goal is now they're trying to get to the crystals ahead of his minions and they've already gotten two of them of the four the guy had one to begin with that was like the very first sort of Bang, inciting yeah. incident in the campaign was they went to this place uh, the sphere of sunlight adventure by actually a friend of ours uh, james bianca uh, who's a game designer he's written for magic the gathering and some other stuff 
um, currently working in video games, but he did a little 5e, you know, DMs Guild adventure called The Sphere of Sunlight, and I had known him from being in bands and playing music way back in the day. And um, we ran that adventure, and uh, I used The Sphere of Sunlight as the first of these four kind of MacGuffins or whatever, right? Um, and so they were, they had one of the MacGuffins, and I made these stat blocks for these, you know, crystals that are elementally themed but super powerful and each one of them has an ability that is like beyond mortal ability to use so that if you use it you have to roll a con save or die right so in the same session alistair got his brains eaten and then my brother's character redbeard the pink uh used the used the the crystal to kill the other mind flayers and then failed his con save and died (laughs) oh my god and so uh it was very intense i will say uh i got to deploy one of the at my absolute favorite things I've ever done as a DM. When they first started, I knew they're all brand new D and D players, and I, you know they're getting attached to these characters. A single character death would be devastating for them, right? Like, and and that happens, and sometimes you roll with it. I had decided four or five sessions in, th- four years ago when this happened, two years ago when this happened, whatever it was, uh, that the first one of them that died, I was going to offer a deal, basically. So I used, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the game Dishonored, but I used the outsider and sort of brought him into my mythos and he offered them, you know, coming back to life basically in exchange for accepting his powers and sort of being one of his agents of chaos in the world or whatever. Uh, and so that was super, super fun. And I knew if I tried to force it and just killed somebody just to make that moment happen, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't work. Yeah. So I had to wait until it naturally happened. And I sat on that moment for three years or something until one of them finally died (laughs) and I got to deploy this and, and did this whole scene where he meets the outsider and gets the powers and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and that was honestly, I think that really supercharged the role playing of that campaign. It's very funny. People hate when their characters die. I've been in several campaigns where nothing has supercharged the stakes of the adventure or the role play of the people like a character death. So, you know, it's, you don't want to hurt your friend's feelings when you're a DM, but like DMs, I'm telling you, sometimes kill your friend's characters. Sometimes it's better. Yeah, no, I promise. I, I agree. I've I've had this. Oh, I talked to we, we we mentioned before the podcast. Um, I talked to Guy from How to Be a Great GM, who's a very experienced GM, um, and he talks about adding complications to your game to enhance it. Um, using spell components, using these things, tracking um, arrows and bolts for crossbows, just little things to, to make your players do things. We talked about character deaths. Um, if it doesn't feel like you're going to die, then when you do kill the big, when you do kill a Vecna, or when you do escape with your life to regroup and come back, that's when the game becomes like, okay, we got out of there. Thank you know, thank God we got out of there. Okay, let's re. Let's either not get let's either get away from this and go somewhere else, or let's try to get revenge in some sort of way. So I couldn't agree more. I, th- I think it those complications actually make the game, you know, um, a lot more enjoyable. In our campaign, we and another interesting thing in our, our campaign, we went back in time as well. My group went back in time to save um, their friend had died, and and they were told they could go back in time to save him. So they went back in time, made a deal with the devil. Uh, made a deal with uh, I got him right here actually made a deal with this this guy Uh oh um, okay. they went back in time to save him and the, my character or my, my player I, I talked to him the other day um, the way the rule states for 
greater restoration, I think it is, or or uh, resurrection, is that they they can't they don't just come back. They have to make the choice. It's their choice whether or not their soul wants to come back. So he doesn't know if he's coming back. So they've gone six episodes or six sessions in to save this guy, and he's gonna make the decision: Do I want to come back as this character? You know, this PC. He doesn't know. But the the cool thing about it is. is when they look back on this, when the, it's all over, they can say like, "Oh, you know what? You know, we did that, but it was still for a good cause. Like we did all of our we could, and we still had to go do it. And he didn't come back because he didn't want to, but at least we tried. So it's one of those things that I completely agree with you. It's like I think you should have these complications that the fear of death should be real. Yeah, and going back to that moment, I, I really pull, pulled a pretty dirty trick on my dad, who was the one who died that I offered the deal to, because I didn't tell him I was going to do that before the game started. I had him roll up another character, bring the sheet to the game, sit down at the table, and then I go, okay, when last we left our heroes, and I recap everything, and then I cut into this other scene of him being dead, looking at his body, and then, you know, the outsider from Dishonored shows up and says, like, hello, Alistair, you know, and offers him the deal. Um, and so I think part of it, too, is, like, it's the drama of it, you know? Um, and one of the things I think we believe kind of with the Ages of Vinor and the Bodice One thing is, like, I'm not here to tell anybody that the way they play D&D is wrong. If you and your friends are having fun, congratulations mission accomplished right um we like a particular kind of game that often has a lot of like melodrama and role play and very like dramatic stuff in it but the, if you want to like kick in the door and kill some goblins and fireball go boom hey like if you and the people you want to play with are having fun with that like i'm not gonna tell you this the wrong way to play D &D, right and so um i think it's just about figuring out like what that style is that you and your friends enjoy and running with it and finding a group that all kind of want to be doing that same thing yeah for sure um do you guys watch critical role i don't watch it as much now i was i have i love critical role of course i want to be all of those people when i grow up um, <laughs> my favorite people ask me my favorite classes and i really don't have one but i have a favorite race and it's for vogue and it's because nice. of Caduceus Clay. Caduceus I Clay. When he entered the critical role realm, he brought this earthy, sincerity, calm, clear. I just was in love, and I wanted to bring that, particularly having been in a campaign where we were frantically racing against the clock, you might say, for four years. And so my personal favorite character that I've ever made probably is Bunkum Duncan who is a Firbolg uh, cleric. And uh, she's a woman, but very unattractive woman and very large for a woman and has a tragic backstory, as do we all, but there's some hope in there. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I started watching Critical Role somewhere when they were still in the middle of campaign one. I think I caught up to them in about the Chroma Conclave arc or so. Uh, I watched a good bit of Campaign 2, probably the first, I don't know, 60 or 70 episodes before I kind of fell off. And then I haven't watched mm -hmm. much of Campaign 3 at all. I did watch the most recent Exandria Unlimited Cataclysm thing with uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan. I've watched yep. a lot of Dimension 20. Love Brennan Lee Mulligan and all the D20 folks. So seeing the crossover there was fun wonderful. And I thought that episode was really, really good. I'm very excited yes. to see uh, more of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've consumed a lot of the actual play stuff out there. Uh, Adventure Zone, The Balance Arc, uh, Dimension 20, 
not another D&D podcast. Um, and I'm, I never, like, fully finish every bit of content that all of them have, but I have watched quite a bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. sorry, I was just going to say, much more so than me. For me, it's pretty much just been Critical Role. And, and Pixel started me on that road. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those... That, sh- that, that group is so good when they play. Uh, my wife... She, I started playing D and D. Then I started watching Critical Role, and I just had it on. And she didn't, she hasn't played D and D yet, but she's watched all of Campaign Two, and she loves D and D. She loves Critical Role, um, and Vox Machina, the show that they came out with for Campaign One. Um, so it's getting to that point where D and D is get growing to the point where you're seeing these things like Stranger Things. The new campaign just dropped, or the new season of Stranger Things just dropped out. Uh, this Friday, the new episodes, and it is so much D and D in it, and they do this epic like D and D. They do this epic D and D like highlight video of what you want D and D to be, where they're throwing dice and people are pouring sweat, and you know everyone's on, look on their face is just like horror, and then like it's awesome and and uh, I mean if you haven't watched it, I'm not going to ruin it, but you need to go watch yeah. the new season. Yeah, I started rewatching it. I went back all the way to season one. I'm gonna, you know, so I'm a little behind on it. So please don't yeah. spoil anything. I'm not gonna say anything, but I will say there's there's a couple scenes that you're gonna feel like the biggest D and D fan ever. It's such a it's such a good um, representation of what of what D and D can be. Um, where do you see yourself? Well, first of all, what's your favorite PC and NPC um, you've played? I mean, as a DM, you got some NPCs. Um, bonus mom, what's your favorite PC and why? I think you already said it. Yeah, um, Bunkum Duncan is, is most likely my favorite. I also played a changeling male and I and nobody in my in my game knew and I had them convinced I was a forty year old woman until it turned out that I wasn't that, which I want you to go back and watch Water Deep Dragon Eyes. So I'm not going to tell you what I really okay. was. Okay. Mel would be my yeah. second favorite. That was I'll answer the question in just a second. That uh, we did a playthrough of Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and I want to say that for me as a GM, I had some of the most fun sort of like puppeteering all of these folks through various little plot lines. That those videos we did on progress, pro- uh, promise, progress, payoff, I really tried as much as possible in that campaign to get it to as many payoffs as we could in the short time that we had. One of, I'm not going to give everything away in case people go back and watch it, but the um, there were two characters who made really similar decisions independently of one another about what they were going to do with their characters. And I managed to keep it away from each other and orchestrate their reveals such that they happened at the same time in the same episode. It was just an absolute double twist. Like, you know, it was so much fun for me as a DM. And then that was like in the first third of the campaign. Right. And then from there, watching it play out as the consequence of those decisions, um, I just had a blast. Uh, working with those folks, the cast of that game, and kind of helping to navigate some of that stuff. And and I view it as one of the achievements of my DMing career to have kept those things from those two people for so long, only to reveal it and have their characters just like, you know, absolutely kind of run into each other. Uh, but as for favorite NPC, there's one moment, and it requires a little explanation. It's the same Underdark Adventure we talked about before when uh, the one character that my dad was playing died, except before, this is before that happened. Um, I basically kind of took some inspiration from one of the Dritz novels, the one where the, I think it was 
Sojourn or Exile. One, of the, I think it's Sojourn. One of the ones where he's coming up out of the Underdark, and there is this uh, this peck that gets transmuted into a hook horror, basically, with, like, true polymorph or whatever. So I kind of presented them with a similar problem. It was this elf who had been captured and was in the Underdark and had eventually ended up in the in the control of this wizard who turned him into a Choldrith, which is like a spider creature. Not a drider, exactly, but, but a different thing. And uh, he showed up right before they reached, like, the temple thing they're supposed to go to in order to find the MacGuffin that they're looking for before the other guy who they know is on the way, who's the necromancer's minion dude, he shows up and presents them with a choice, basically, which is, hey, I have been polymorphed into this horrible monster and I need help. The wizard is that way. Can you help me? Right? And the wizard's like a 20th level archmage. There's no way they're going to beat him. So it ended up, it would have been probably some sort of negotiation request or whatever. So we end that session where he does that. He tells them, please help me. And they have to choose, do I save the theoretical many nameless faceless people in the future or this one person right in front of me, right? And we, I think there was a convention that weekend that I didn't go to. So over the course of the weekend, mom and dad and my brother, and um, I think they even texted some of the other players, got together. And so before we left, they decided, okay, we want to help this guy, but we got to get this MacGuffin because the world is at stake, right? Uh, and we'll try and help him if there's time afterwards because there was kind of like a shot clock going. Like if he stays polymorph for a certain amount of time, he's going to stay polymorph forever, right? Um, and so, and you'll need like a wish to undo it or whatever. Um, and they're level five, I think, at the time. They don't, they don't have access to that, right? Uh, they say they're going to go to the, the temple. I'm like, okay, cool. I start prepping that, right? And then we get back to the next session. Unbeknownst to me, they've all chosen to go a different direction. They're like, no, no, we're going to go help this guy now. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> didn't even know that would do that to the DM. We were yeah. not new enough at that. This was like in the first um, year that they played. Okay, so they're kind of still talking about it a little bit. And I'm in DM panic mode. Like, okay, the only thing I have ready is the, okay. is the dungeon, right? What am I going to do? And I'm starting to flip through options in my head. Do I just throw a random encounter at them because they usually can only get through like one encounter a night if I'm throwing combat at them or do I try and get them there and just sort of BS my way through the first floor of a wizard's tower and then build the rest of it afterwards and I eventually just settle on the idea of like no I'm just going to go do an RP encounter basically so they're talking it out and I'm kind of thinking my way through what I'm going to do and uh Eventually, they reach this cavern where this wizard is, and I describe the place in a way that telegraphs that he's very powerful and that he has customized this cavern with powerful magics to be exactly what he wants. But when they finally approach his tower, which is kind of this metal cylinder that it reaches from floor to ceiling, the thing basically like creaks and bends over in the middle, and he like bursts out of the roof of it, and he just like starts. He's just a mad wizard, and he's like, nah, what do you want? What do you want? Eh, you know? Uh, and when I did that, I, like, hopped up in my chair because he was flying on a little carpet, and I'm just, like, absolutely unhinged. I'm channeling, like, Mark Hamill as the Joker and, like, every <laughs> unhinged character I can possibly think <laughs> yeah, of with this yeah. guy. Um, you know? And But I've also telegraphed to them that he's powerful enough that he could disintegrate any of them with a, with a single spell because he can cast True Polymorph. It's ninth-level magic. He's at least a level 18 wizard, right? Uh, and just, it was like this mood at the table snapped and shifted and everyone was like, <gasps> like he's crazy and he can kill us, but he, maybe he can be reasoned with. And that RP encounter was one of the most fun things that I ever did as a DM 
Uh, and so the NPC, sorry for that really long-winded story, I'm bad about those, but that NPC, NPC is known as Bajwijek the Omnificent, and uh -huh. he, uh, I hope, he'll probably show back up in campaigns later, but he's oh, just he's this unhinged wizard with little curly shoes, and he flies around on a cushion, and he's like, you know, ah, what do you want? So, <laughs> it's, it's a good time. So in your household, bonus mom, when Pixel's taking a shower, are you getting everyone together and saying, hey... You know, for the campaign next week, we got to do this, this, and that. How much chatter is there outside of Pixel's knowledge of you guys uh, uh, scheming? Not a lot now. We got away with that one time, but um, my, my niece came independently without talking to the DM. She was in a situation where her twin had been snatched as a child. She'd been looking for her for all this time. Well, she found out through a series of meeting a silver dragon that her twin not only had been alive the whole time, but her twin had been aware of her. She wasn't aware of the twin, the twin was aware of her. And so we're all expecting, including the DM, for this to be this like most amazing uh, reunion. And my niece decided on her own and never discussed it with the DM in any way, shape, or form. And when she met her sister, she tried to kill her. <laughs> and and it just it brought the entire game to a halt because our DM was so nonplussed that he it, Pixel's a bright guy but he literally did not know what to do and I think that taught we got through it I mean we actually had to do like we had to stop the game we had to talk about it we had to resolve it we had to do all this crap to get back on you know and that taught all of us you don't do that a DM and one of the things I say like every live I get a chance to say is you have to respect your DM and a part of that is communicate to them uh, and, and see we did it to him he was ready he spent all of his work time preparing for that forge and we went in another direction that happened to turn out great but that is not a nice thing to do to your DM do not tell them you're doing one thing and then decide to trick them that is very unkind uh, yeah, so no, my, we don't, we don't yeah. Do that. My, my group my group loves to do that, so oh. I got privy to it, and I and before every session, I have like note cards of bullet points, and I'm like, okay, any situation they're thinking of, I'm going to write these note cards down, so in case we go there, I know, so a few times they've tried to get me, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I have a note card, like at least I know a little enough to get me through it, but uh, yeah, there's some, there's some tricky players out there who really really try to get you you really are and something that i would say to those people i, I would and I, and i'm going to so get ready is <laughs> you need to respect your dm you need to be on time if you tell them you're going to be there barring a real serious you know not i just promised my next door neighbor i'd mow his part of the yard or something no you need to respect your dm and the amount of work they do us players get to go and sit at the table and play and we get to focus on our characters. And the DMs are focused on the story, the NPCs, the MacGuffins, the what they're, how they're gonna, just like what you're saying, which way I'm gonna jump when, you know, one of my players has a good role, a bad role, a Nat Trini role, you know? So DMs work hard and they deserve our respect and reward your DM, not by taking advantage of them. I mean, it broke my heart when, guy the gm said he'd only ever gotten to play in one game for six months i'm like he must have had the most horrible players on the planet that would never say to him let me dm for you so you can play dms play i mean you know you 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 do a lot you play a lot but there is also the experience of you only have one character 
you have your own promise progress and payout you know and you would like to just get to sit and play so one of the reasons why we ever got into ages of i know in the first place pixel and i is to give dms an opportunity to play and i have the end although pretty poorly so that my two sons and my other son could all play at table together and and not have to be the dm so reward your dm end of sermon from bonus <laughs> today you heard it here. It's uh, it's a written law now. Reward your DMs. What Speaking is the? Of, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. no go well, ahead. Uh, the only thing I was going to say is I I'm one of those DMs. I prefer to be more collaborative than adversarial in a way. Yeah. Um. I know my my emote actually. So Cassie, I think just put it in your chat. But the uh, the sinister pixel. I don't want to like pull the veil off here, but I'm not really as sinister as that emote might indicate. But um, I prefer to like collaborate with my players and work with them to pull things over on the other players a little bit, you know? I think it's more fun to surprise all the other people at the table yep. with something I've kind of cooked up with one player um, in in that regard. Uh, there was another thing I was going to say. I forgot what it was, so why don't you go ahead well, and take we, it back we, from we me. We talk to each other out of game a lot. You're right about that. Yeah. The most successful campaigns we've had have been when the players actually talk to each other outside of game and, and just, you know, confer and share and give each other opportunities for scenes like we try to do that i'll ask you this at the fireplace and you'll ask me this at the country store and you know whatever uh so you guys have seen critical role campaign 2 like to its completion i have have not i've made it to somewhere in like the 60s or 70s okay i'm not so i'm not gonna say anything but but a good example of that would be um caleb widogast he's the wizard in campaign 2 um, he sets something up. He sets something up the entire game, and you don't realize what he's doing the whole game. You're like, "Why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? Why is he doing that?" And then at the very end, you feel you, you understand what's happening. And that's something him and Matt set up. And when he drops the bomb, like tears are going down my face. My wife is like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that." Um, so going to your campaign, what is the what's bonus mom? I'll go to you, and then we'll go to Pixel because they might be different. What is the quintessential one moment where your jaw dropped and you couldn't believe what was happening? Was there a moment where you're just like, oh. um, I th- I think it has to be the the moment that Pixel described because one of the two people that he said two people picked similar things. I think that's one of the ones he's talking about. I was one of the two who knew what I was doing in the campaign of Waterdeep Dragon Heist but had no idea what somebody else was doing in there and it all came to fruition in one episode and um, and, and it happened to be another player who I, is one of my favorite people on the planet and that I just loved so much and then we got to have that moment you know when the mask fell and we're looking almost in the mirror was an incredible moment and that would have to be mine and it's in Waterdeep Dragon Heist along about episode four episode four something like that somewhere in that ballpark it's yeah there's like we have about 20 episodes of Dragon Heist it's in the first third or so of the the full series I don't remember check that out um, jaw-dropping moment for me that I couldn't believe what was happening. I mean, the one where my cousin decided to kill her sister instead of reunite with her joyfully, uh, that threw me for such a loop. Like she said, I had to fully just stop and say, like, I don't know what to do now. Um, <laughs> other than that, um, I mean, as a player, there's a moment in an off-stream game that my friend is running where 
uh, one of my characters' backstory. Somebody betrays us, and one of my characters' backstories shows up uh, and you know tries to kill him, and that was a big surprise because we didn't really see the betrayal coming. Um, and I certainly didn't clock that that w- that those people were going to show up and kind of be lying in wait for him. Um, and then in the campaigns that I've run, that I couldn't believe what was happening. I don't know that couldn't believe was happening. One of the moments that will really stick with me is uh, another friend of mine had a character death in towards the end of the Waterdeep Dragon Heist campaign. Um, that I, I still go back and watch that sometimes. I think it was just, like I'm sniffling halfway through it. Uh, but he had to leave the campaign actually due to its like job related reasons, and so he and I sort of collaborated to um, to take his character out of the equation. Uh, and just, we did this death scene that I still go back, like I said, I still go back and watch it. I think it was, uh, extremely cathartic to watch and play. Uh, and I, um, just, it, it really stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is it about, what is it about D&D? How, how do you describe, I've tried describing D&D to, to people that, you know, I'm trying to get to play and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, it's this role playing game, but it's also, it's also related to dice but you get to pick your character but then you have to act it out but when you think about those quintessential moments that make it D&D for you you don't think about you know you don't think about necessarily role playing you don't think about stats you don't think about d20s you think about that a connection you have with those characters in those moments and it just seems to transcend a game it's it seems to just be a, a more you know, a highlight of what really life can be. So, so w- what is it about D and D for for both of you that, that really gets you motivated to play? Well, for me, it, it would be the improv aspect, the aspect to just uh, to to try to be quick, to try to react. I love um, I love building the characters and having the characters interact with each other in situations that are bizarre, unusual, and totally. The opposite of who I am, you've seen me, I'm a 70-year-old dowdy little old lady, okay? And I get to be dashing and wonderful and young and romantic and and I get to play with lots of different people who are very different from me, but they accept me unconditionally because of the character that I'm playing. So that's the draw for me. I get to hang out with my kids and their friends. Ultimately, that's it. I get to be with my guys. Yeah, for me, um, I think the thing that makes it like magic is uh, we have those same similar kind of reactions. I think often in a somewhat more muted way to like media and stories, whether that's comic books or novels or movies or TV shows or, you know, video games even, or a whole lot of other formats that we tell kind of narrative stories. I think the thing about D&D is the kind of way that it's interactive and the way that you embody a character, kind of. Mm-hmm. Because like even when I'm playing a video game, the story can touch me, but I don't have the same kind of freedom to make the same kind of choices that I do in D&D, right? I'm kind of most of the time going along a predetermined set of pathways and just cutscene to cutscene. To, to see what happens. Um, and in games that have more freedom, oftentimes they can't really hit, hit those narrative punches the same way. Uh, and then the same way that like the the story can interact, so, but, you know, but in a video game you are 
in, sort of embodying a character, right? Uh, in other media, like movies and comic books and things, like the, the stories can touch you, but you're not like making those decisions yourself and putting yourself really in those scenarios. So I think one of the things that makes those moments like hit the way that they do is both that creative freedom that you have and the interactivity with the other people at the table, the DM and the other players, where you're reacting to each other's choices and things like that, on top of the fact that, like, you put yourself often really into those characters, you know, in those scenarios. That makes it feel so personal and real, but also when done well, that those stories can just be so, you know, expressive in the way that all stories are, but it's like it hits harder because you help to make it happen and you're in it and all those kinds of things yeah and we'll, and we'll kind of close with this um you know i agree with you guys 100 percent with with all that i mean it's one of those games that it's the reason i'm having this podcast it's really special to me i'm hoping someday i can play with my children and we can play till you know you know i i leave the face of this earth that's like my goal in life is to play with them um but where do you see your both of you where do you see yourselves in five years with D? I still want to be playing. I still want to be hanging out with my guys, and I want to be hanging out with some of the people that I've met that I cannot wait to get at table with. And I just want to keep playing the game till my memory gives out, and I I, I can't remember who I am anymore. I want to be playing D and D. Yeah. Um. For me, I you know, and I want to keep just playing the game and running good games for people. I also want our sort of Ages of Einor thing to keep growing so that more people can come into the hobby. Um, it's a place where people can post that they're running one-shots and play one-shots, and we try to kind of connect players and DMs uh, in our little community, and it's been growing hand over fist thanks to the Bonus Mom stuff happening. And um, I would love to see that continue to grow. Um you know, so that more and more people get into it. And then just for me personally, I'd love to still be, you know, playing and streaming games and sharing the stories with people, uh, both just at the table and then with kind of the internet at large. Yeah. And, and one last thing, Ages of Einor, that's your Discord or is that something else? Yes. So okay. uh, it's, a, it's a Twitch and a YouTube channel and a Discord. <laughs> okay, uh, right. The Twitch, we stream games kind of just to show people a little bit about who I am and what we do and that kind of thing. Uh, the YouTube is where we put the old streams uh, if people want to go back and watch the old content and keep up with it. And then the Discord is where we um, host and we kind of vet our DMs and people will post. I'd like to run a, a one-shot, a 5e, fifth level on June the 9th at, you know, 7 p.m. Eastern time, you know, react and sign up, and then we try and help. If you're a DM and you have, like, a crazy one-shot idea that you don't think your players will go for, or you want to try out a different system that's not even D&D, you want to run Blades in the Dark, you want to run Cthulhu, you want to run Pugmire, you want to run whatever, Kids on Brooms, pick a thing, right? Uh, we want to help you try to find players for that game, right? Uh, and, and to give you the opportunity to run the kind of game you want to run, um, you know, and help you find players for that. As players, we want you to just get opportunities to play. Um, we can't really run like long-term campaigns super easily through it, right? It's mostly focused on one-shots. Although if people meet up and they have their schedules work out and they want to go form and run a campaign on their own, like that's kind of a bit of the goal too, is to help people connect with those kinds of groups. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a community we're trying to build around D&D &D primarily, but other, any other tabletop game 
where we're safe and we're inclusive and we, you know, are like vetting our DMs and trying to make sure these games are good and safe and everything. And we can help connect those DMs and players uh, because we found when we were kind of doing the convention circuit a little bit um, with the with the crotchety old hat lady stuff a few years ago that it almost always seemed like there just weren't enough DMs and they're just, you know, that like if you weren't right there when the sign up sheet went up you couldn't get you wouldn't get to play and so through the magic of the internet we're trying to help people kind of overcome some of those and um, we've had a new crop of dms that have come in we've had a bunch of new players that have come in thanks to this bonus bomb stuff so we're super excited to see it grow um and i would just love to have that continue but that's kind of what the discord is and then the twitch is almost just like advertising for that basically it's like if you see our twitch and our youtube and you find out who we are and you want to play with us because we seem fun then you come into the discord and we meet you and on we go for sure um, so where can everyone find you? I mean, you got Bonus Mile on TikTok. You just talked about your Discord. Is there anywhere else they can find you or they can look at your content? I just want to say that the technology is a little difficult for me. I check um, TikTok a lot on my phone and my particular brand of phone or me, whatever, I cannot always see my direct messages. Mm -hmm. If anyone wants to contact me, um, the best way to be sure I'm going to see it is through Facebook Messenger. I do have a page on Facebook, and the primary function of me even being on Facebook is to be able to get to Facebook Messenger. I try to see all the direct messages that I can. I also would like to say that at this point in time, I, there's a couple of things I can do. I'm happy to do this. I'm also happy to either online, well, mostly online. I'm going to do one in-person in uh, guest I'm going to go to play at a table mm -hmm. because it turns out somebody lives within where I can do that. So it's not that I'm averse to going and being in an episode at a table. I would love to do that. Online is probably the way that I could. I'm going to say guest shop, kind of like yeah. you talk Critical Role, how they'll have yeah. somebody for an episode. Yeah. I really can't commit to any other campaigns. I would love to talk to you. I would love to do a workshop with anyone about how I work on my backstories. I just love to visit with people. And I'm absolutely willing to uh, to be. I've already done one where I appeared in one of Pixel's one shots and played an NPC role, and I would do that. So would you? I would. I would probably ask you to do that. I mean, this has been okay. Ask me to do that. I definitely yeah. will. I can either uh, do it as bonus mom or I can be somebody else. In his one shot, um, the Matt Coble Tomb of the Daily in Order, I played basically the baker lady, could be blacksmith, but was who ran into the tavern and said, my child has been stolen, you know, and I did it as bonus mom. Yeah. So that kind of thing I'm happy to do. I would love to do that for you or, or some other version of that. So yeah. talk to me. But you know what? Talk to me through Facebook Messenger. I'll see it better. Is that Facebook and, Messenger, um, the, uh, sorry to interrupt, but is that no, Facebook Messenger uh, bonus, bonus Mom? mom bonus Mom 70 on Facebook Messenger, yep. Yeah. But I oh, see, yeah. I watch TikTok too, it's just sometimes I feel like I miss messages. Sure. Yeah, so where to find us, uh, obviously you guys probably all know the Bonus Mom 70 on TikTok. Uh, there's a link tree in the bio there that has more ways to find us in other places. But we are on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash Ages of Einor. We are on YouTube at Ages of Einor. Um, we just hit enough subscribers to have our own custom uh, URL, which I'm very excited about, mostly <laughs> thanks to the bonus one thing. Um, and then the Discord join link is in the TikTok bio. It might be in the YouTube page, too. 
I'm not sure. Also, Agents of Ainor itself has a link tree, and I know those are in the um, YouTube descriptions, and that would have a joint link to our Discord as well. Uh, and then me personally, I also stream games on Facebook at facebook.com slash hammerandpixel, where I play a lot of different stuff from Elden Ring to Final Fantasy 1 we just finished up so uh, a bunch of different stuff on there and sometimes if we come in people like I may be playing whatever people come and talk to me about D&D in the chat there too um, but we kind of talk about games and honestly philosophy and a whole bunch of other stuff over there so if that seems like your kind of bag uh, facebook.com slash hammer pixel is the other place to find me and one more thing I can't believe I'm saying this but I actually have merchandise and the link to that is in uh, my TikTok. You can make an old lady very happy. <laughs> Buy a mug. Okay, so anyway, I'm just saying that because that's like the coolest thing that ever happened in my life, okay, is it my emotes on a t-shirt. I, if I had to guess, I think you're going to sell a lot of those t-shirts. I think this is just the beginning for you. I mean, this has been, I do these podcasts and I talk to Guy from How to Be a Great GM. I've talked to people who utilize D&D for um, psychology, uh, you know, psychological things for young teens. And I've had these amazing conversations. And every time I talk to someone, I'm like, well, it can't get better than that. But today, truly, I don't think it can get better than this. This has been an experience. I mean, if you're just playing with your family for a five-year campaign, you know, you know, being 70 years old, you're kind of breaking breaking the, the mold with that. I mean, it's one of those things that is really special in the community. And, you know, just from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate the conversation. Oh, and I'm glad we can get you on the podcast so more people can see this. So I'll be buying a mug. I guarantee you. Right. I'll be buying a mug. My, my wife, she's on the chat. I guarantee she's going to, as soon as I walk out of here, she's going to say she already bought one. Um <laughs> But uh, um, additionally, if you guys ever have a game you need a player, it would I would love to play with you guys. I mean, after this conversation, it's one of those things that's probably on my bucket list now. Very cool. Well, I will say two final things for me. Uh, one, if anyone is genuinely interested in being like on stream or playing in games with us, uh, Ages of Honor Discord, come hang out, get to know us. Um, you know, we usually pull folks that we know personally, and then some folks from there that we get to know. Um, we, you know, uh, so that is totally a conceivable possibility, but you know, that's how you would do that if you were interested in that. Uh, and the last thing is bonus mom's stat block, which is up on TikTok and I think is on her Twitter page. Um, people have said that they've been using that and we've been loving that and hearing the stories. Uh, I, for one, here's what I, if I have like a challenge to you, uh, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of people who are maybe issuing the classic D and D orphan adventurer that archetype in lieu of D&D wholesome mother uh, thing. So if I have a challenge to you, it's uh, in some character you make sometime, put a put a bonus mom in there, put a, a wholesome mother in there, because I think we can do it, friends. I think we can change the the number one backstory of D&D adventures being like orphans to being have wonderful mothers. And I think that would be very, <laughs> frankly, very funny if we were the epicenter of that change in the sort of culture of the game. So I just wrote uh, those, it in my those notebook. are my last two little bits. <laughs> yep. I just wrote in my notebook. I will be doing that uh, for an upcoming event. Um, Otherwise, for everyone watching, I mean, go buy the merchandise. The story you heard today is, I mean, like I said, it's second to none as far as the podcasts I've done. And I just think from moving here from two weeks ago, being zero followers, to now being at where you're at, in a year's time, I I would venture to say you're probably going to be one of those people up there that you're, you're going to have to just schedule what you're doing because you're such a national treasure, especially in the D&D community. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the love and the support, and I want to send it right back to you. Okay, so for everyone, uh, you know where to find Bonus Mom and Pixel. Um, thank you for stopping by, and uh, we'll see you next time.